Countdown for blast off. X minus one. Yes, it's Maxwell House Coffee Time, starring George Burns and Gracie Allen. Richard Diamond, private detective. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. Suspense. It's time once again for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Dragnet. We offer you escape. Kraft presents the Great Gildersleeve. Yeah. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. The Jack Benny Program. Hi, this is Carl Amari, and welcome to Episode 71 of Radio Rarities, the weekly podcast series that examines unique episodes from the golden age of radio. My co-host is the vivacious Lisa Wolf. This time we have another show in which the star is playing hooky. It's Duffy's Tavern where the elite meet to eat and Archie, the manager, is nowhere to be found for this weekly half-hour episode. Carl, do you mean that Ed Gardner is missing? It might be a big deal, Lisa, but as you know, the show must go on with or without the star. In a couple of previous Radio Rarities podcasts, we profiled the dilemmas producers and writers encountered when their headliner was absent. There was the time that Dick Kalmar was absent for Boston Blackie, and the case was solved by his pal Shorty and girlfriend Mary. That was Podcast 22. And then there was the time William Conrad subbed as Philip Marlowe for an ill Gerald Moore. In Podcast 4, but most recently in Podcast 64, we featured a slew of guest stars who filled in for Bob Hope who was on his way to England. Bob missed his show, but not the boat, as he was sailing on the Queen Mary to perform for the royal family and attend the wedding of Princess Elizabeth. If you haven't listened to those podcasts, be sure to check them out. For the March 30th, 1949 episode of Duffy's Tavern, the star of the show was indeed missing. So producer-director Tony Stanford had a quandary on his hands. But before we get to the show, Lisa... Ed Gardner had rarely missed his own show in the nine seasons it had been on the air. The pivotal point for Gardner occurred during the summer of 1940 in the CBS forecast series where he auditioned his latest creation, Duffy's Tavern. By 1940, he had been in show business at least a decade, which started on Broadway. Ed Gardner produced the plays Coastwise in 1931 and in 1934 wrote and directed After Such Pleasures. But as both of these were shown short-lived, Gardner soon became employed at ad agency J. Walter Thompson, where he directed the Baker's broadcast in New York and then moved to Hollywood for the Frank Fay Show. In the fall of 1937, he departed J. Walter Thompson and joined Benton and Bowles as producer for MGM's Good News program. While with Benton and Bowles, he also produced and occasionally acted in This Is New York. It was on this series during the 1938-39 season that Gardner created and started to develop his alter ego, Archie. He also performed occasionally as Archie on the Good News program. During the spring of 1940, he incorporated Archie into Duffy's Tavern, which won a spot in that summer's CBS forecast series. The audition was approved by CBS Brass, with the program given a slot on the network schedule beginning March 1st, 1941, sponsored by Schick. We'll present that forecast episode of Duffy's Tavern on an upcoming Radio Rarities podcast. Following the success of the first spring season, the razor manufacturer renewed the program for the fall of 1941. The next year, the program moved to the Blue Network and then to NBC in 1941. 
1944. In addition to Ed Gardner, who portrayed Archie the manager, the cast included Eddie Green as bartender Eddie, with Charlie Cantor as Finnegan. Though Duffy never appeared on the program, his daughter Miss Duffy was a regular character. She was played by several actresses, including Shirley Booth, who was Gardner's former wife. In the episode we're about to play, Florence Halep appears as Duffy's man-hungry daughter. Also, in most episodes, there was a guest star who came to the eatery to be insulted by Archie. In this 1949 episode, where Gardner's absent, two guest celebrities were featured. Okay, sit back, relax, and enjoy Duffy's Tavern with guests Jimmy Durante, along with Ann Southern, as broadcast March 30th, 1949, from the NBC Studios in Hollywood. with the beforehand extra and Vitalis for well-groomed hair bring you Duffy's Tavern with our guests tonight, Jimmy Durante and Ann Southern. <laughs> you know, men, no man is well-dressed unless his hair is well-groomed. So take the tip. Try the way successful men in both sports and business keep their hair looking its very best. It's Vitalis and the 60-second workout. See how the Vitalis workout helps your hair stimulate your scalp. See how it prevents dryness, routes loose dandruff, and helps check excessive falling hair. And see how Vitalis keeps your hair handsome and healthy-looking with never a trace of a greasy patent leather shine. For there's not a single drop of mineral oil in Vitalis. So try Vitalis and the 60-second workout. You'll like it, and you'll like what it does for the looks of your hair. Now, Duffy's Tavern, where they least need to eat, ain't it a waiter speaking? Oh, hello, Mr. Duffy. Uh, Mr. Archer? No, he ain't showed up for work at the tavern today. What happened to him? Oh. <laughs> Maybe he escaped. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Oh, just a minute, yes. Uh, Miss Duffy, your father won't talk to you. Oh, oh, thanks, Eddie. Hello, Papa. This is your daughter, Miss Duffy. Yeah, yeah, ain't it terrible about Archie not showing up when we got two celebrities coming down? Well, for one, Jimmy Durante. You know, nostril boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's the only man that can stand in Hollywood and smell the ocean. <laughs> What's so wonderful about that? Papa, it's the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> Yeah, and you know who else is coming down? Anne Southern, the actress. What's she like? Well, she's the kind of a girl you wouldn't look at twice. If Mama caught you looking at her once. <laughs> she's a blonde. And the worst kind of blonde. Yeah. Natural. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll call you later, Papa. Goodbye. You know, Eddie... It's funny Archie not showing up. I wonder where he is. No, no. Maybe he stopped to see the bubble dance at the burlesque show. <laughs> but I thought he was barred from the burlesque. He was, but they reinstated him when he promised to leave his darts at home. Johnny, <laughs> uh, uh, are you busy? No, Mr. Finnegan. Boy, am I hungry. Uh, how's your hamburger today? Fine, freshly ground. Uh, by the way, Finnegan, Archie's missing and we don't know where he is. Uh, Archie's missing? Mm -hmm. Eddie, 
Better make that a fruit salad. <laughs> well, all I can say is you're a fine help. What's your Here, your best friend is missing, and you're not even perturbed. Well, why all the excitement? Fine and Archie ought to be a cinch. You really think so? Oh, sure. It's as simple as A, B... Uh, <laughs> a, B... Uh, maybe it ain't as simple as I thought. <laughs> well, ain't, ain't you got any idea where Mr. Archie might be? Uh, well, let me see. I, uh, hey, hey, I got it. Maybe he went to Madagascar. <laughs> Why Madagascar? Why? Yeah, why? Well, that rules out Madagascar. (laughs) Hello? Somebody calling one to reserve reserve the charges. No, reverse. Reverse, he must mean. Yeah? How much is it? Five cents? (laughs) We found Miss Archie. (laughs) Hello, Miss Archie. Where are you? Oh. Uh, I see. Okay. He's up in his room writing a play for Ann Southern and Jimmy Durante. Oh, that Archie and his crummy plays. Hey, wait a minute. Look who's coming in the door. It's Jimmy Durante in With a song Now even when things go wrong Why you feel better You even look better Ah. What a note If the Metropolitan Opera is listening I'm available But I refuse to wear tights So this is Duffy's Tavern Yeah, what do you think of it? Very unusual Especially the air conditioning. Indirect breathing. <laughs> By the way, where's my good friend Archie? He, he be that lady. He's over at his boarding house writing a play. How do you like that? Shakespeare wins an Oscar, and now everybody wants to get into the act. <laughs> hey, guess, guess who's got a star in this play? Pray tell me. I'm all ears. What am I saying? My nose will never forgive me for that slanderous remark. <laughs> tell me, Eddie. Who? You. Why don't these things happen to Lawrence or Olivia? <laughs> Hello, Arch. What's that? Would mean you play it sure to hit Broadway? What am I supposed to do when Broadway hits back? <laughs> well, anything for a friend? Yeah, cheer up, Mr. Durant. Ann Southern coming down to co-star in the play with you. Ann Southern? Why don't they tell me these things? I could have saved the wear and tear on my epiglottis. Say, <laughs> uh, Eddie, I was you. <laughs> hey, who's the anteater? <laughs> I see low forage are coming back. Uh, Mr. Durante, this is Mr. Finnegan. It is? How thoughtless of someone. (laughs) Uh, You know, Mr. Durante, I've been following your career, and I think you're great. Thank you. Uh, I love the way you get down on one knee and sing Mammy. (laughs) That's Al Jolson. Oh, 
Well, well, I sure like the way you roll your eyes and tell them jokes. That said he can't. Oh, well, then what do you do? <laughs> Me? Yeah. Why, I'm the guy who comes out and, uh... Yeah. I mean, you must have heard me when I... That is, I... How do you like that? I'm a bum. Excuse <laughs> me, Mr. Raleigh. Yes, Eddie? There's a young lady here to see you. A young lady? If I'd have known, I'd have dabbed Airwick number five behind my ears. <laughs> well, what do you know? It's Anne Sutherland. You were expecting maybe Mrs. Calabash. <laughs> Any girl, let me look at you. Hmm. Ah, yes. Love that Ann Southern. And the Northern Party in bed either. <laughs> Annie, you know something? I could spend the rest of my life following the runs in your nylons. Why, Jimmy, you're breathing down the back of my neck. What's so unusual about that? You're standing in front of me. <laughs> By the way, Ann, this is your first visit to the tavern, isn't it? Yes. What do you think of the place? Now I know where elephants go to die. <laughs> You're right. Humphrey Bull got me knocking any door, but if he includes this place, he's got more nerve than I talked. <laughs> uh, I love your sense of humor, honey. Why, I'd kiss you if it was humanly possible. Jimmy, I had no idea you were so romantic. I guess it's on account of the dream I had last night. A dream? Yeah. I was dreaming you and me was alone together on a desert island. Just the two of us. It was horrible. Why, Jimmy? I was a girl, too. <laughs> but, Anne, we're wasting time with words. Annie, my love, you bring out the beast in me. The beast? Yeah. Say, why don't the three of us go out together tonight? <laughs> <laughs> we'll make an evening of it. Paint the town red. Ah, that's the life of the rally. Wine, women, and sensen. <laughs> what do you say, Annie? You want me to go out with you? Yeah, with me. Sounds safe. <laughs> Little does she know how right she is. <laughs> Annie, this night is gonna mean a lot to me. What do you mean, Jimmy? Let me tell you. The other day, a friend of mine gave me the number of a girl he wanted me to know. Blind dates are for me, and when she answered the phone, I gave her my sweetest hello. Snuggling up close to the phone, I said, Durani speaking. How about going out with me tonight? She said, before I go out with you, what do you look like? What a dilemma. Should I tell her the truth and be turned down? Or should I lie and worry about it later? <laughs> there was no way out. So instead, I braced myself and said, Say, I wouldn't say I was handsome. I wouldn't say I was cute. I'm not very tall. Gosh darn it all. It's kind of hard to put it in words. You know, the other night, I made a blind date the same way, over the phone. I said, hello. She says, hello, come right over. When I got there, she took one look at my nose and said, you sure must have hurried, you forgot to hang up the phone. <laughs> yes, it's kind of hard to put it in words. You know, it's not that I want to be mysterious. 
honest, I'm not trying to stall. Believe me, I'm really quite serious. I'm just an in-between rascal, that's all. Uh, I know I'm not good-looking, but what's my opinion against thousands of others? <laughs> yes, I wouldn't say I'm fascinating. Too bad I'm not elucidating. You know, I wouldn't even try. When we meet, she'll know why. It's kind of hard to put it in words. You see, folks, I got a problem in describing myself. I got to be a little modest. Let me analyze the facts. I can safely say I'm as pretty as Van Johnson. I can safely say I'm as pretty as Tyrone Power. I can safely say I'm as pretty as Cary Grant. Until they put me on television, I can safely say anything. <laughs> you know, I had a blind date with a lovely girl last night. I put the radio on softly in her living room, turned the lights down low, sat down on her sofa, and spent the miserable five hours. You see, all that time she was in the kitchen with her boyfriend. I wouldn't say I was a highbrow. My looks won't raise an eyebrow. I'm not a Shakespeare. It would take me a year. It's kind of hard to put it in words. Yes, sir. It's kind of hard to put it in You're listening to Radio Rarities. We'll return after this short break. If you enjoy classic radio shows like The Lone Ranger, The Shadow, Jack Benny, Gunsmoke, Dragnet, and Suspense, become a member of the Classic Radio Club. Each month, you'll receive 10 half-hour classic radio shows, along with historical liner notes. The 10 shows will be on five CDs or via digital download, whichever you prefer. You'll also receive an email every week with a digital link to the full five-hour Hollywood 360 radio show and the 30-minute Radio Rarities podcast that Lisa Wolf and I co-host. In total, you'll receive 34 classic radio shows per month. Become a Classic Radio Club member at ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535 to speak to a live operator. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535. That's 815-900-7535. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-494-8310. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-494-8310. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-494-8310. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Now, back to Radio Rarities. Jimmy, 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 that was wonderful. Thank you. But excuse me, where's my hospitality? What do you say we sashay over to the free lunch and bloat ourselves up a bit? 
Uh, Mead here in this heartburn hacienda. <laughs> Miss Sheldon, for your information, the food happens to be a delight of Savoy gastronomy, hmm? a go match excursion and appetizer ambrosia, and what one might call the quintessence of culinary substitutes. <laughs> Duffy could read them. Well, uh, uh, what does that mean? I just pronounce them. I don't explain them. <laughs> and sometimes I don't even pronounce them. Oh. But I'm a man of action, honey. Come to my arms. Oh, Jimmy, couldn't I just look upon you as a big brother? How do you like that? Everybody wants to get into the family. <laughs> That's the trouble, Annie. Nobody takes me serious. It's always laugh, clown, laugh. Why, in my last picture, they had me playing the baboon. Jimmy, don't you mean buffoon? I take it you didn't see my last picture. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I should have suspected something when the studio told me to show up with top hat tails and a bag of bananas. Well, Jimmy, I'm surprised you let them push a big actor like you around. Just a minute, Miss Southern, just a minute. You seem to be laboring under a misapprehension. <laughs> Anyone who says the Randy gets pushed around is not only a rominous, but he's wrong, too. <laughs> Why, at MGM, they tremble at my very presence. Mm -hmm. When I step out of my office, the one with the mink wallpaper, oh. <laughs> they treat me with the utmost respect and dignity befitting a man of my talents. If that's Louis B. Mayer, tell him I'll wash his car first thing in the morning. <laughs> Archie. That's my boy, Archie. Yes, this is Ann Southern. What's that? You're writing a play. Would I like to come up to your room and read it? This is something new, etchings with subtitles. <laughs> Archie, um, are you writing a play or making one? <laughs> well, you'd better bring the play down here. You'll be right down? Okay. Jimmy, I didn't know Archie was writing a play. Yeah, he's got his heart set on us playing the leads. Mm. And I'm afraid we'll have to do it on account of he needs the money. You see, he's hard up. Uh, hey, Jimmy. Oh, Ann, this is Finnegan, Archie's best friend. This is his best friend? Yeah. <laughs> he is hard up. <laughs> yes, Eddie? Uh, would you mind stepping into the kitchen with me? What for? Well, here at Duffy's, see, when we go into the kitchen, we always go in pairs, so... <laughs> there's, a, there's a little mouse out there, and... Now, now, wait a minute, Eddie. Don't tell me you're afraid of one little mouse. Oh, no, sir, but this one got buddies, and they've established a beachhead in the pantry. <laughs> oh, well, in that case, Juwans, hand me my pit helmet my blunderbuss. I'm off to the hunt. Finnegan, entertain Miss Southern. Well... Finnegan, it's nice to meet you. I've always... Uh, you keep your distance. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what's the matter? You don't scare me. Oh, come now, Mr. Finnegan. I don't really frighten you, do I? Well, no. Uh, do I frighten you? I asked you first. <laughs> well, Ann, I was just out in the kitchen. Yes? They got a million of them. A million of them. <laughs> Say, Miss Southern, I'm Joe Moran. Oh, hello, Mr. Moran. I saw a picture of you in a magazine where you were wearing a bathing suit. And there's something about you I admire very much. Really? What? Your hands. <laughs> <laughs> 
this is the kind of a guy who takes a girl to the movies and spends his time watching the picture. <laughs> Miss Southern, I'm sure your lovely hands must be a great asset to you as an actress. And them legs don't hurt none either. Well, thank you for the compliment, Mr. Moran. Not at all. I always watch a girl's hands. That's a novelty. The girls I go out would always watch my hands. <laughs> Miss Southern, can I tell you a secret? Oh, of course, Mr. Moran. All women love secrets. What is it? Well, it's it's just that when I, I look at your hands, they make me... They make me... Make you what, Mr. Moran? Make me want to tell every woman to use Truchet. Oh, well, if that That's... happens when you look at my hands, what happens when you feast them against your forehead like this? Well, that makes me want to tell every woman that Truchet is the beforehand lotion, a really different idea in hand lotions. If you use Truchet before you put your hands in dishwater or do light laundry, your hands will be protected, even in hot, soapy water. I can get commercials on my own show. <laughs> and I'll tell you another little secret. You can use Truchet as you use ordinary hand lotions any time your hands needs a creamy, softening lotion. Truchet, you see, is an all-round lotion, but one that also gives you beforehand protection, something none of those ordinary lotions give you. Now, don't forget, Mr. Moran, this is our little secret. Right, Miss Southern, just between you, me, and the millions of people who hear me talk about Truchet every week. Oh. Okay, just so long as it don't go no further than that. <laughs> hello? Oh, hello, Archie. Where are you? We're waiting to rehearse the play. You're not coming? A catastrophe. <laughs> Anne, what happened? Archie's locked in his room and can't get out. Well, why doesn't he get his landlady to open the door? Who do you think locked him in? <laughs> Archie, uh, why did she lock you in your room? Oh. What did he say? He owes her the rent since February. <laughs> Only since February? February 1928. <laughs> <laughs> Give me the phone. Hello, Arch. Don't weaken, old boy. Keep a stiff upper plate. <laughs> Send the plate down and we'll carry on without you. And we're going to act in Archie's play. Oh, what a catastrophe. Before this play reaches Broadway, I'm afraid she's going to have to brush up on her grammar. <laughs> All right, everybody, stand by. We're going to rehearse Archie's play. Eddie, did you read your part yet? Yeah, I read it. What do you think of it? I'm feeling mighty low. <laughs> that ain't no way to talk. After all, the play's the thing. Yes, but the question is, is this thing a play? <laughs> Any girl, we gotta do it for Archie's sake. Mr. Malnick, if you please, the overture. <laughs> Sounds like some of the boys didn't pay their dues this month. <laughs> Go ahead, Eddie. Read the opening announcement. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight we present a murderous play <laughs> written by Mr. Archie entitled The Mystery of the Laughing Piano or Who Tickled Ivory. <laughs> Our scene opens in the detective's office. I'm Detective Sherlock Durante, the famous private news. Professionally, I'm known as the year. Disguise, you know. <laughs> Some of the kind of lines they're giving me. <laughs> I'm sitting at my desk examining my empty gun. I'm standing at my mirror examining my powder burns. I call my trusted assistant, Dr. Watson. Oh, Dr. Watson. Uh, did you call me, Chief? 
What casting? <laughs> Quick, Watson, the needle. Why? Have you got a clue? No, I just ripped my pants. <laughs> Hello. Thank you. Goodbye. What was it, Chief? An anonymous tip that a gruesome murder is about to be committed at the old Trockmartin Mansion at 8976 and a quarter, Baker Street. In the rear apartment, two flights up. But, Chief, how could you learn all that in two seconds? Supercharged hearing aid. <laughs> Quick, Watson, I must lose no haste. Shall I call you a taxi? No, Durani the detective always travels by super cheap. <laughs> Throckmorton, prominent club man and well-known oyster peeker, <laughs> who made his millions peeking in oysters to find pearls. <laughs> Gladys Throckmorton, his devoted wife, speaks. I hate my husband. I've hated him for years. But since the family cannot stand the scandal of a divorce, I have decided to kill him. Uh, uh, yes, Herman. Uh, what are you carving on that tombstone? Oh, nothing that would interest you, dear. By the way, uh, do you spell Herman with one or two N's? Uh, one. Mm. And uh, what are you doing with that bullet in your hand? Writing your name on it. Uh, how thoughtful of you. <laughs> Herman, did you make out your will leaving everything to me? Uh, not exactly. I decided to leave everything to myself. But the million-dollar pearl, surely you're leaving that to me. Nothing doing. I swore to me dying day I'll tell no one that I've hidden my million-dollar pearl in the piano. In the piano? In the piano. <laughs> That's all I wanted to know. I is uh, Gladys, dear... Why are you painting that bullseye on my chest? <laughs> Excuse me, Herman. Oh, that's Good evening, madam. I'm Sherlock Durante, the famous detective. Oh. Oh, you're a little early. Excuse me. <laughs> you can come in now. <laughs> uh, can I uh, do anything for you? Yes, but first business. <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing with that smoking gun in your hand? I ran out of cigarettes. <laughs> you like that for a minute? I thought I had a clue. <laughs> but uh, why are we standing here? Won't you come in and see the body? Right behind you, madam. <laughs> there. That's the late Mr. Throckmorton lying on the floor. Please forgive him for not rising. Let me examine the body. Why, madam, your husband has a hole in his head. That I know. <laughs> but what killed him? Well, do you mind if I ask a few questions? Just routine? Oh, of course not. What are you doing after the funeral? <laughs> That's a routine question? That's a routine question? It's my routine. Are you sure you're a detective? Madam, I'm a born detective. Why, when I was born and the doctor slapped me, I got his fingerprints. And I've been carrying them around ever since. Well, I'll take your word for it. 
<laughs> Stumped again, but back to business. <laughs> when I find where the truck port and pearl is hidden, I'll have the killer. Let me get at that piano. Oh, no, 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 don't go near that piano. I mean, please have some respect for the corpse. Okay, I'll only play on the black keys. <laughs> Ink, a dink a dink, a dink a do, a dink a ding. Oh, oh, there's something wrong with that note. Oh, must be something causing it to stick. Wait, I've got it. You mean? Yes, the pearl. I know where it's hidden. Where? In the closet. Quick, open the door. <laughs> How do you like that? Only an old Hoover vacuum cleaner. How do you know it's a Hoover? It's wearing a high-starched collar. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> you know, for a detective, I found you really quite amusing. <laughs> I think I could really learn to like you. Thank you, Mrs. Trockmorton. Or may I call you Gladys? Oh, please do. Well, Gladys... I arrest you for the murder of your husband. <laughs> That's ridiculous. You have no evidence. Oh, no. Look at your husband. Dead as a mackerel. A hideous copious if I ever saw him. <laughs> oh, I resent that. Oh, no. Look, Herman's alive. How can you tell? Well, it isn't easy. <laughs> but how do you explain it? After all, I did shoot him. I think I have the answer. Mr. Crockmorton... How many oysters do you eat a day? Oh, six or seven dozen. There's your explanation. As everybody knows, oysters contain more iodine than iodine itself. Oh, you mean... Indubitably. Mr. Trockmorton is so antiseptic that he's self-healing. <laughs> Hello, Archie. I'm glad you called. Has your landlady still got you locked in your room? Well, I got the solution to your problem. Yeah. Read the play to her... And she'll throw you out. <laughs> Men, the quickest way to discover something better is to try it. That's why I want you to try Benex Brushless Shave Cream. Benex is the new wonder shave with a sensational beard softening formula that has brought better shaving to thousands of men. Benex brushless leaves your face feeling extra smooth and comfortable. And Benex doesn't clog your razor or drain either. But don't take our word for it. See for yourself. Get a tube of Benex at your nearest drug counter. Or we'll send you a trial tube free. Write your name and address on a postcard and mail to Benex. B-E-N-E-X. Empire State Building. New York 1, New York. Remember, buy Benex Brushless. Or try it free. Write Benex, Empire State Building, New York. Hurry, offer limited. It's time now to leave Duffy's Tavern for this evening, but let's meet here again at the same time next Wednesday when Archie will be back on the job. Duffy's Tavern is brought to you by Vitalis for well-groomed hair and Truche, the hand lotion with the beforehand extra. Jimmy Durante appeared through the courtesy of Camel Cigarettes and can be heard on his own show every Friday on the same network. 
And Southern appeared by arrangement with Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, producers of the Technicolor picture Little Women, starring June Allison, Peter Lawford, and Margaret O'Brien. Each Wednesday, Bristol-Myers brings you Duffy's Tavern and Mr. District Attorney, which follows immediately over most of these stations. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Well, Carl, even with Ed Gardner absent, there were a lot of laughs in this show. That's a tribute, Lisa, to the program's large writing staff, headed by Vin Bogert, with Larry Ryan, Phil Sharp, Lou Grant, Morris Friedman, Bob Schiller, Bill Friedman, and Al Johansson. And also the timing of the cast, which included the two guest stars, Ann Southern and Jimmy Durante. At that time, Durante had his own show on NBC. And Ann Southern had finished her Maisie film series at MGM and was preparing to embark on the character's syndicated radio program. Both Southern and Durante worked well together in the Duffy's Tavern skit which had them co-starring in a play written by Archie. They also had a fun time with the cast, Eddie Green, Florence Halep, Charlie Cantor, and Howard Petrie, who played John Moran. And the singing by the two guests was accompanied by the expert orchestra conducted by Maddie Melnick. Tony Stanford did an excellent job as director with the assistance of John Morris of NBC. Other NBC staff included Bob Grapperhaus, who had much practice ringing the tavern phone as the sound man. Charles Norman was at the engineer's console in the control booth. So why was Ed Gardner absent from this episode? He initially took a vacation in Florida. And then went to New York to discuss future plans for his radio show with NBC executives and his sponsor, Bristol Myers Company. On top of that, Lisa, Gardner had formed his own company, Edward F. Gardner Productions to further his interests in radio, film, and television. So why didn't he do these meetings via Zoom? Do you really want me to answer that? No. While he was away from Duffy's Tavern that week in March, he was also working on a motion picture, Pig's Feet in Paris. Unfortunately, this was never filmed, but Gardner had starred in the Duffy's Tavern film, which was released in 1945 by Paramount Pictures. It featured many of the studio's stars, including Bing Crosby and Paulette Goddard. When Gardner returned to his show the following week on April 6th, he did mention that he'd been out last week. But there was no follow-up by the cast, and his absence seemed to be taken in stride. The show continued to do well in the ratings as it closed out the 1948-49 season three months later on June 29th. Duffy's Tavern remained on radio for two additional years, followed by one season on television in 1954. Well, that's all the time we have for this edition of Radio Rarities. Radio Rarities is a Gulfstream Studios copyrighted production produced by yours truly, Carl Amari. My co-host is Lisa Wolf. Mike Costella is our executive producer, and the show is written by Carl Shadow. Next week, we'll present the audition of The Judge, starring John Daner from the summer of 1952. You won't want to miss it. Thanks for listening.
It's time to rethink, renew, and reimagine retirement. Hey, everybody. Jared Sebesta here, host of Retire Repurposed. Now, this podcast is about the non-financial parts of retirement, which many times can be even more challenging than the financial. We believe retirement is not the end, rather the beginning of what could be the most impactful, purposeful, and fulfilling season of a person's life. So don't retire. Become repurposed. To listen now, search Retire Repurposed on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.